Hey folks, welcome back to another Timmons podcast. I'm your host, Timmons, and this is my podcast, Real Conversations with Authentic People. And man, do I have a great guest today, John Troyer. But before I get to that, let's get to today's sponsor. If you haven't heard, Timmons has a sponsor. Timmons Podcast has a sponsor. Uh, Quiet River Massage and Revival in Syracuse, Indiana. It's owned by Jasmine, and uh, she does a great job massaging. She does 30 minutes, 60 minutes, and a 90-minute massage. Uh, it's Timon approved, and uh, if you aren't watching the YouTube video, definitely check it out right now. I got Noah with me. Noah, what do you think? Is it approved? Yeah, she's giving a yes. So, yeah, check it out. Quiet River Massage in Revival in Syracuse, Indiana. 30, 90, 60-minute massages, hot rocks, essential oils, all the great stuff. Um, this October, for new clients, uh, first-time clients, $10 off your first massage. Uh, you can get reach her at Quiet River Massage and Revival. Google that or click on the links in the description below or give her a text or a call, 574-501-3338-574-501-3338. Um, yeah, check her out for sure. Thank you, Jasmine, for sponsoring this podcast. Yeah. And let's talk about today's uh, guest today, John Troyer. John is fantastic. I had such a good time chatting with him, and he's just uh, lived a really cool life. I really appreciate the things he's doing with Streams Local, Stream Local, and um, yeah, just some of the advice and uh, different things that he's into. We really had a great time chatting. Um, definitely, if you need marketing advice, reach out to him. He can really help uh, direct you on what you're trying to do as you hear in this podcast. I definitely picked his brain on some things too. So what do you think about that? Yeah. Say it. Say it, Noah. Yeah. That's what she thinks about the podcast. So yeah, definitely check it out. We had a great conversation. I'm on dad duty right now. Living the dream. I'm going to be honest, living the dream. So yeah. check. Yeah. John, um, i Great having him on. Very thankful. Very blessed. Uh, you guys are going to enjoy this conversation. John Troy, everyone. Peace. We're live. All right. Welcome, John. Hey, it's good to be here. Thanks. Yeah, man. Um, have you been on a podcast before? You know, I haven't. Now that I think about it, I'm looking forward to it. It's kind of a fun thing to do. Yeah. Um, I've done YouTube videos, things like that, but not specifically. Radio. Podcast. I saw radio. And radio. Yeah, yeah. which is like a, a 24-hour podcast. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, those were fun. Yeah, I'm um, very excited to have you on. I've had your daughter on. Correct. Yeah, that was fun to watch Amanda her. Troyer. We're really proud of her. Yeah, she's awesome. She's out doing, she's in Hawaii. She's in Hawaii with YWAM, uh, having a great time there and just love seeing how God's working in her life and keeps, yeah, yeah. making things happen. So That's awesome. Absolutely. Did she get affected by the fires at all? Or No, so she's in a neighboring island. So the okay. big island of Hawaii where she's at, which is, um, you know, it's not really close enough to Maui to to really be affected by that. They've had several from their base that have gone to kind of bring supplies and things like yeah. that that have gone over to the island to yeah. help out. So that yeah. makes sense because so, it's a, just a jumping point. Yep. They're easy to, yeah. I didn't even think about it when uh, all that stuff happened, if she did get affected or not. But yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. She told me something I didn't know is that you can buy a ticket for like 30, 40 bucks to do island hopping. So oh. on a plane. So if you want to go from one island to the other, that's how people do it usually. Yeah. And, just Why not? Jump. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, for let's, let's properly introduce you. Sure. Um, yesterday was your birthday. I would guess if, if we yeah, were that right. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, explain to people who you are in, in just a little brief. Sure. Bio. John Troyer, uh, grew up here in, in Goshen, basically out in the country and we live in Goshen now. Been here most of my life, married to Sheila and, uh, 
we're partners in pretty much everything we do. Uh, so uh, we have a daughter, Amanda, which we've already talked about, and mm-hmm. son, Michael, who's a freshman at Concord this year. And so that's kind of our life right now. I uh, We have a marketing business uh, called Michiana Social, mm-hmm. and Sheila and I work at that together in partnership with Gil Michelle in South Bend. And then we also are pastors, currently interim pastors at Holdeman Mennonite Church in Wakarusa. And that fills up our lives. And like I said, Sheila and I do all these things together. We're, we partner together. We have offsetting kind of skill sets that we bring that are great for working together in that way. That's awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. Well, we met at church, I think. Well, maybe it was through Rick Yoder. Well, I think, I think it was at church. Yeah. I think we attended a couple of times. I preached at the movement once or twice when mm-hmm. it was still called that. And yeah, remember meeting you and you're friends with my wife's niece. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so there's been some other connections that have been great to see. And, you know, of course with Rick. Yeah. Yeah. That's the Mennonite game kind of, right? The yeah. more you it's just, you connect with everyone and you live in Goshen long enough. I call it the Mennonite, but it's almost like the Goshen game. Yeah. You know, you start to get to know a lot of people. and Right. Yeah. Well, having been a pastor most of my life, I've been at different churches in Goshen. And it's interesting how, like, when you go from one church to another, for example, I got to be careful not to hit this noise. <laughs> um, but it's interesting how you go from one church to another. You're going to end up, like, it's a total different, like, new ecosystem, new group of people, new culture. And, you know, people will know each other, but in terms of just kind of your lived life and all mm-hmm. of that. Your community. You can yeah. be, yeah, find kind of totally in a bubble. new groups. Right. It is. It's weird how many little bubbles are in Goshen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I was talking to someone. There was, they kind of broke down that there's seven different, um, like, people groups in Goshen. You got the okay. Goshen College. You got Amish. You got the Hispanic. You got the um, Ukrainian. There's just, like, right. all these little groups of people that make up Gosh. I mean, there's more, but those are like, there's some pretty large pockets of individuals and we're all living, coexisting inside this yeah. you know, small little city. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. It's very fascinating. But yeah, so you were born in, you just basically been in Goshen your whole life. Pretty much. I spent, uh, so college, I went to Heston College, but I ended up back coming back to Goshen College, went to AMBS and Elkhart. And, oh, wow. Um, but also, yeah, went to Bethany High School. Wow. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so this has been my home, my whole life. We were in, in Sturgis, Michigan for about six years, uh, pastoring there. And of course when I was in Heston, but otherwise it's been, been in, here, here. Yeah. in Goshen. Yeah. Now Heston is Goshen College's sister campus kind of. It is. Yeah. They're connected with the same denomination. So yeah, yeah absolutely. That's, and then you finished your degree at Goshen. Is that what you said? Or finished you... the, the bachelor's and then I got my master's at, um, the... Associate Mennonite biblical seminary yeah um, and that's an elkhart yeah yeah i've been to their campus it's a nice place yeah it's a beautiful yeah. campus i guess it's anabaptist mennonite biblical seminary now yeah. they changed the name but yeah yeah so you've been uh what, what when you left seminary and you started pastoring was it primarily just mennonite churches it has been yeah it's only been at mennonite churches where i pastored and all the way through so um been youth pastor associate uh lead and all different places. Wow. Yeah. Just in the ministry world. Right. Yeah. And so now what you're doing, I mean, it's still part of that, but you're also doing kind of a separate piece of that too with mm-hmm. marketing. Has that been something you've been doing for a long time or is that kind of the a newer? Yeah. So I would have, I, from the tech side, I was a network administrator that I did take two years off when we were uh, doing foster care to get kids out of the bubble, mm. uh, the pastoral bubble. And so I was a network administrator at Supreme Corporation for two years, about oh, 20, yeah. 25 years ago. 
And uh, so I had that stint. I've always been interested in kind of that side of things. And then my thing with, with the marketing piece that I'm probably most intensely connected with is I was a anthropology, sociology, psychology, uh, family life major at Goshen. So when I look at kind of those areas and like, how do we understand our communities? How do we understand people? That's the thing that I really want to pay attention to, mm-hmm. not just from the standpoint of how do we sell a product, but what does this do? Uh, how do we kind of develop the ecosystem that we're in and mm. help it help it develop in that way? So, yeah. How does it become a healthy part of the ecosystem in a way, right? Right. Yeah. Selling a product could not be healthy. It could be pretty detrimental depending on what it is. Um, but if you are providing value, that's where people are actually like, yeah, sustaining. Right. You know, and, and what, what really pushed us this way a little bit was, I mean, it was a larger theme in my life, but especially during COVID and the pandemic and what we saw happening to small businesses, Mm -hmm. closing their doors, the, you know, the growth of these larger companies that really, uh, have dominated more and more. Mm -hmm. And so our question was, how do we help small towns thrive? How do we help people who have their own businesses, local communities, and even then questions of being increased, uh, increasing the amount of face-to-face, kind of the interaction we have with each other, how, uh, you know, a lot of that we, we kind of retreated, mm-hmm. people were a threat, and, and there was a shift that I think is really important to return because I think it's the core of what a healthy community is. So There is, we're meant to be with each other in person. Correct. It's know. just like you miss it. And you can kind of fulfill it a little bit with the digital, but you lack so much. It's only, it's only so long before, it, you know, you, right. I need community. I've found that in my life. I, I thrive in community. And there's certain personalities that do better or not, but you can't not be a hermit for your whole. I mean, correct. there's a, probably an outlying group that can, but on the whole, no. I think yeah. we were created for that. I mean, yeah. that's that's the underlying piece of why we're here and 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 what God really wants for us. Uh, you know, another tie-in here that I think is a kind of an interesting point is this idea of branding. Hmm. Um, and, you know, that's become much more dominant piece over the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Uh, and, you know, 50 years ago, only the expensive, like, big companies had brands. The others, it was just like, here's my name. I don't worry about fonts, typeface, and settings, and all of that. Right, um, and that's changed, and it's grown increasingly an important piece. And now, it's become so easily available. Like for a few bucks, anybody can just create a great looking brand and do yeah. something with it, and you know, put it out there. So, what I'm seeing is a shift that goes more to in-person conversations. Like, like the brand is you, and and it matters who you are. And we don't trust brands like we used to because anybody can do it, right? Right. Uh, so you end up having that. Um, I, I think there's a shift in marketing that's moving toward that where the polish finish may not always be. I, I love beautiful design, but sometimes that design takes away from kind of that fresh, raw, authentic conversations, being real, um, seeing each other's hearts and all of that. Yeah. You can almost get too polished where, you know, yeah, you're right. It's like... Uh, I, I found that sometimes it yeah, leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I'm like, okay, well, you may look nice, but do you do good stuff? Right. Right. What's your heart? You know, Absolutely. A, and so, I mean, an example of that is, you know, my dad was a contractor. He had a plumbing business. So for years it was Johnny's plumbing and mm-hmm. I knew Johnny and Johnny was the guy. And, you know, there was nothing branding about it. It was just, 
he was a man of his word. He did his job well. He was, you know, a great person to work with. And I don't even know where the business is today, but let's say he sold it. Somebody else picked it up. The question is, who's that guy? Right. And how, what are they like? And, and are they going to continue the same kind of idea? The brand doesn't, in a local concept, in a, in a local economy, brand doesn't necessarily carry forward. We're waiting to see what that person's like. Right. Right. So, yeah. What's Steve like? Yeah. Is he like Johnny or is he Absolutely. <laughs> awful? Yeah. So, so do you help, like who, who are your target? Who do you help? Uh, I mean, we you said local businesses. Is that right? Primarily, or? we we don't necessarily limit it, but our target we really want to find on ramps for people who are not able to advertise because of of the money involved. They're small businesses; margins are tight, and and so my hunt is always what's the best deal? What's going to be uh, the way of advertising that's really going to reach them, make a difference, and, and they can hit their target audience as as great as possible. So. So we are we have a number of ad products that we sell uh, that are available that people can pick up on, and we want to make sure that we're doing what's going to give the best ROI, return mm-hmm. on investment for a company. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, well, I know I've I um I really enjoyed your Instagram post where you would kind of show you go into all these different places. I know mm-hmm. I don't know if this was part of the marketing, but you would go into these these restaurants these small business mom and pop restaurants kind of show them in the process, show the food. Mm-hmm. This is, I think a lot of more taco trucks or different things like that. Yeah. We did a lot of Mexican restaurants here in Goshen. So, I mean, it's prime place to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah there are a few. 25 some, or something. Taco yeah. Some have gone out of business or shifted or sold since then. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's been a, it was, it was fun doing that and seeing kind of the background and, and it kind of hit a personal thing for us. We were like, we have all these Mexican restaurants. What's make what makes each one unique? We would like to know more of that story. So yeah, yeah, and uh, you do see the landscape where they shift a lot. You mm-hmm. know, I've seen in one location over by Kroger, there's that spot that used to be uh, a deli. You know, yeah. So it's it was called La Casineta's for a while, yeah. and and now it's uh, there's a new one there now, but I can't remember uh, the name. So of with it. a P maybe or Patron or something like yeah. that. Yeah, Patron, I think. Um, and I haven't been to the new one yet. Yeah, so. I haven't either. I think they opened last or two weeks ago. They're okay. pretty new. So, yeah. But it's just like uh, you'll see them. So you always wonder what what actually makes because uh, you could sell everyone's selling tacos. So what makes yours like the best? Right. You know. Have you ever been to Lamudos Lamudos China on Eighth uh, Street? I haven't. It's over by La Casa. I haven't been to that one. That was the one that we ended up not not connecting with. There's now another Latina Mexican bar and grill oh, okay. that took over in Linway Plaza. Oh, no way. Um, okay. Just, uh, so they bought out uh, or took over for uh, La Patrillo's, I think it is. Okay. Um, is that where, uh, yeah, I don't know where that's at. Uh, so if you know where Irv's Vac Shop is in yes. the driveway, it's across the road from Okay, there. so over there. Yeah, like next in, to the Tiki Tan, I think. Mancino's used to be or yep. whatever. Yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah, now we're talking inside Goshen baseball. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> um, Lamudos Chino. That that place is very delicious. I, is it? That was one okay. of my. Uh, I can't pronounce it, but it's one of my favorite mm-hmm. spots to eat in Goshen. I think the fun, and this gets back to the earlier statement. One of the fun things about doing those reels was we met the owners That's and cool. we heard their story, why they're doing it, what makes this important to them. And so now when you go eat there, it's a whole different experience because these are people we know and, mm-hmm. and you've just, you know, the love and the, the intentionality that goes into doing what they're doing and where those recipes come from in terms of which area of, of Texas or Mexico or wherever it came in. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's part of the fun part. Of that's having so that. cool. 
Yeah, oh, I love that. Uh, Universal Tamal, when you went there, I was like, yeah, that's that's one of my staples. I love it. They've been a long time yeah. in here in Goshen. Yeah, yeah. they crush it. So. Great, great people there. Great, food. great tamales, too. I love them. So, yeah. oh, man. Um, I mean, I'm, we could keep going on the marketing. Do you want to talk a little bit about the, the just, did you already talk a little bit about the story side of things? Yeah, so, well, I can say a little bit more about that. Like, we have a new product coming out called Stream Local. Okay. And, um and the fun thing about that is uh, it's zip code based. So every zip code is a different size, right? So you've got like Goshen's two zip codes are about 30,000 each. Mm-hmm. But like Wakarusa, for example, has 4,000 people mm-hmm. in their zip code, which means we can target all the devices in that particular zip code on a really inexpensive level. So a store in Wakarusa, for example, for about 200 bucks a month could send a streaming ad, a video, a commercial basically, to all the streaming devices about four a week for a month. Uh, so for 200 bucks a month, which wow. is a really good deal. And I love that because you're one of the key things in advertising is doing saturation coverage where you're, you're not just like a little blip here and there on the radar, but you're finding a way to stay present with the people you're really wanting to reach. Yeah. And so sometimes it's better to have a smaller target and do that really well rather than trying to be kind of broadly uh, around the community and then it takes a lot of money to do that. And then you're, you're, yeah. you're forgotten. You get lost in the noise. Well, and maybe the old ways of doing it, cause you're talking about streaming, but some of the old ways of doing it where you probably could have saturated your specific area yeah. is gone. It used to be newspapers. I mean, yeah. that was the thing. Everybody bought the newspaper and you put an ad in there, you were seen. That's what you pursued to see the classifieds. And you went through those little, yeah. little places to buy your card. Uh, yeah. All of that. And, and then the phone book was the other one. You, yeah. you look it up and you find the business that's there. So that has changed. And so I think the key thing that I see happening in need, small uh, local communities needing is a way to get in front of each other. Mm-hmm. And and that's why we love this streaming product, because it's a great way to like you're on TV. People notice that. And there's a visibility and kind of a life to that. That's beyond when you look on your phone and 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 that kind of thing. So that's cool. Um, yeah. So we're recommending to clients, actually, every business is going to be different. Um, this product is great for regional businesses, too. But for the local business, they even do weekly updates. That's more like a like you do a live stream. Um, yeah. 30 second live stream. You can upload it real quickly. You can say, here are our specials this week. Here's what's going on. You know, it's getting out in front of the community and people are yeah. going to talk about it. So yeah. that's where I get excited about seeing kind of the future. Building of a happen. plan. Yeah. To, and it's almost like, I mean, I do a lot of uh, email campaigns and you kind of want to build a story or build something and you don't want to just like blast, you can blast out just mm-hmm. one at a time. But if you kind of narrate something, it helps people follow the path that you're trying to create. You know? yeah. 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 And I think it's uh, like for me, uh, what I love, what what's the most fun for me is if the result of our ads for a local community is people end up seeing each other. Mm. So, so like if a store owner, for example, is out, you know, out there, Hey, here's what's going on this week. Uh, it's only 30 seconds, you know, and, and it's my friend, Bob, and you see him and it's like, Oh, that's cool. It's on TV. So you go see Bob and you talk about the special. It might tr- grab you one week. The cool thing about that is, is you you don't feel like you're getting spammed. Uh, yeah. A lot of the streaming ads, you know, they're cute, they're glitchy, you know, they got all that stuff going on. And then once you see it the 20th time, you're like, oh, can you get that out of my living room? I'm tired yeah. of it. And yeah, um, and that's I've kind been of there. Like, yeah, I've seen this Liberty ad 20,000 times. Like I, not going to and that's what you're taught in marketing is yeah. get that jingle, get it in, get in people's heads. Yeah. And, and I'm much more like, well, no, let's be people. Let's be, yeah. 
uh, that's the that branding versus the authentic. That makes total sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. In, um, I was talking to Ben Rogers and he was, he was mentioning how Fox 28 used to be the only TV station in Elkhart County and that's completely gone. Yep. So we only have a local, uh, TV television station, you know, and at like, you know, that was the way to reach that zip code or, mm-hmm. you know, radius around that area who could ever get the antenna to c- connect to it. Yeah. And so it's cool that, um, it's being redefined. Well, here's the crazy thing about that because, our pricing on our zip code based advertising is the same as what it is in our local TV stations. Oh, really? So instead of going to Fox or whatever and, you know, getting half of uh, St. Joe County or all of St. Joe County, Niles, which they don't care about the mayoral race, right? We can actually target the zip codes in Goshen and you're very much there and you're not spending any more. Uh, per impression, as you would with a with a regular TV channels, right? And it's even more niche. It's more niche. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that makes way more sense. I mean, Absolutely. you're literally hitting the people that you need to. I need to talk to you about maybe a Timmons podcast ad. <laughs> Absolutely, we <laughs> could do that. Cool. Who do you want to reach? That's yeah. the question, right? Yep. I know that is the question. I've I've been trying to figure out what my branding is. I mean, I think it's Goshen, mm-hmm. but I talk to people all over the place too. Um, yeah authentic conversations with real people. That's kind of what I keep coming back to. Mm-hmm. But uh, And I see a lot of curiosity in you. I see a genuineness of, uh, and <laughs> here's your comparison, like Joe Rogan, you know, yeah. I, I think that's what you see in him. He's, he's not coming across as, I know all the things and I'm the expert here, but he really... Uh, draws out because he seems genuinely curious about what people are talking about. Yeah. And so that's kind of fun to, to see that in you. And I think, I think you do this really well. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah I, it's interesting cause I went to Grace college with uh, your niece. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was there, my first major was communications. I started doing communications and I'm like, uh, it was really good. Cause that's kind of, I wanted to get into, you know, broadcasting, things like that. But then I had a realization that I could see then TVs, in that route, like news, that stuff was was going away. Right. Like I don't watch it. Why would I want to get into it if I'm not even participating in it? But I like the idea of communicating to people. So I did one year of that and then switched over to business, which made way more sense. Mm-hmm. Niched into accounting, which I'm glad I did accounting. I'm, that doesn't really thrill me, but it's a practical thing to have. Absolutely. And so that's why I went the practical route. But it's great because this is where... I know this is kind of what I wanted to do way back then, you know, and so uh, 10 years ago or whatever. So it's been really cool to see this mm-hmm. uh, grow from that. And I'm, I'm curious and I love having conversations with people, even outside of a podcast. Uh, Allison, every time I go somewhere, she is so annoyed. Right. You know, she's like, okay, I never going to go somewhere. It's going to take 25 more minutes because you're going to talk to every single person. And um, yeah, when one of those things was going to the movement, like going to the movement, we did an internship group with Kyle yeah. and uh, we would meet And one of the things that we, I forget what book it was, but we were learning how to communicate with God and there was different shapes, like a rectangle or a triangle or an octagon or I don't know mm-hmm. what all those. And my shape was a triangle. And so when I talk to someone, I'm making the Illuminati sign for those who are not watching. But um, when I'm talking to an individual, I'm hearing, and if I'm really listening and, and communicating we're both connecting with God. Yes, that makes absolutely. Sense. And yep. so that's where I feel like that person feels heard. And there's times where I'm talking and God drops stuff like, hey, ask him this or think this. Like, I, I don't know where the questions come from. And mm-hmm. it just 
it makes people feel heard. And I love that. Yeah. That fills me up, you know? Well, and it kind of ties in. I don't know if you're familiar with Jim Wilder. He's a neurotheologian, but he talks a lot about attachment and how our spiritual journeys relate to each other. Hmm. Um, he wrote a book called the other half of church. But the thing that I love about what he, what he says is there's, there's an attunement process and, and our relational circuits, they're either on or off. Hmm. So we're in our heads about whatever we're in our heads about, yeah. or we're really tuned into the other person and we're like, we're noticing kind of those micro signals, things like that. Yeah. We're engaging. That's what makes a great podcast. And that's where that face-to-face sitting across from each other, you can't even do it with Zoom. No. Um, but it's that quick signaling that you see and you feel then that connection with the other person. And frankly, the audience then gets to enjoy being part of that and participating in that. So yeah. I'm big into, have to, I have to sit down and talk to you. I've yeah. done some Zoom, which they worked, but I'm like, this doesn't, it, it doesn't feel full. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to feel full with it. So, yeah, Jim's comment on Zooms was that it works if you already know each other. Mm. It can be a band aid to kind of get you through. But the fact that that little delay in response kind of messes with attunement, it, yeah. it messes it up. And so, when you're meeting somebody new, it gets harder to do yeah. uh, because of that. Because when you already know somebody well, like you already kind of have a feel for who they are, the rhythm, the, the signal rhythm. that's coming. And so even if you have a microsecond delay, you're all right. But new people, you're like, I got, I got to see you and like feel that vibe yeah. going back and forth, uh, in, in person live. Yeah. There's a lot of times where I'll bring someone into the podcast that I don't know. And there, it's just at the start, there's a little bit of like, I'm just trying to figure out how to, like, yeah, that tune, the vibe, the, right. and then at the end of it, we're, we're friends. Yeah. And it's like, That's there's awesome. a genuine connection at the end of it. And well, I love if that. you talk to somebody for an hour, hour and a half, yeah. like, yeah, that's a, that's a long conversation. And especially you're not interrupting with food and eating together or anything at that point, but it's, yeah. it's a pretty intense thing. It is. And it's, you know, it's not something we've done. Uh, we're, it's something we're walking away from as a, as a culture, mm-hmm. the sitting down and talking, yeah. you know, it's more very shallow. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's, I mean, a gift and I'm very thankful for it. And I uh, really enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, so, that's awesome. All those fun, all those fun things. But yeah, um, coming back to some of the branding and uh, the, I guess I'd love to kind of nerd out a little bit. Like how? Because I remember. All right, let me step back a little bit. We went to the conference, Spirit and Word conference, and you were showing me uh, some AI that goes through and gets the. Mm-hmm. And you've you've kind of always been into that side. I mean, even when I know I'm jumping all over the place, but even at uh, church, there was the the giving portal that you call a giving portal. I don't know what it's called, but you've, you're kind of on the edge. I see you as either, um, an early adopter of technology and then you're, you're seeing what that is and helping package it. So it makes sense for individuals who are using that technology. They may be more of a late adopter or a little bit farther on that bell curve. You're a little bit more at the start of, as it comes into the stream, maybe not the inventor, but the innovator of how to make it yeah. to the mainstream. Yeah, definitely. And I like to see uh, emerging patterns like, okay, if we did this and I see this need and this is over here, how do we put it together to make um, make it pretty basic? Because, you know, when I talked about uh, what I think is going to happen in the future, um, trust is going to be huge. Mm-hmm. And so uh, are you a person of character? And the other side is, uh, I like this other phrasing of it, are you a character? Mm-hmm. Like. Like instead of this kind of carefully managed, kind of Instagrammy looking kind yeah, of world, political, yeah, right? The yeah, you're corporate. always, but but there's just like I'm putting myself out there. 
Uh, so that side, I think, is going to be the one piece. And then the other side that I think is going to continue to grow, which is it is what it is, is just convenience. Like if it's I use Amazon because it's so easy, you know, yeah. and and so I don't necessarily go looking somewhere else. I have no loyalty to Amazon like yeah. as a company, as a brand. And if another company did what they did and made it as easy as they did, I'd probably jump on that. Yeah. Um, but so all the way along, I think for businesses, there's this question of like, how do we streamline what we do? And even your, you know, for you, as you do the podcast, do you want to spend a lot of time doing kind of final edit, all that stuff? Or, or is that regularity of putting content out there and recognizing maybe it's a little more rough cut? You're good with that. Yeah. And that's just part of kind of being the character you are. You yeah. Know? And so, so I think those key pieces for businesses are going to be huge um, because we don't, we are getting less and less willing to deal with frustration. So, mm. so if the longer we have to wait for the, you know, the cart to load or whatever, or if it's not easy to find something, uh, we don't like it. And so user interface design, all of that, I think it's going to continue to be a huge piece more than branding and graphic design side of things. I think you're so right. Yeah. That's the past six years I've spent working for a tech company. And that was our big thing is if uh, someone can't get to the checkout within three clicks, you know, that's where you lose them. Right. And so how do you make that? And it's like, well, but we want to do this. We want to do that. And like, you can do that. Or you can get all the donations you want. Mm -hmm. Like what is more important? Yeah. You, how you want to look and feel, or do you want it to be the most optimized? And I, you know, I really love that approach because there's something to that. Yeah. So it's simplify so you can set the table and um, be with people. Yeah. That's that's what it comes down to for me. That's awesome. So with the products we have, I mean, the the, the interesting thing is, um, so we do a lot of like geofencing, demographic targeting. We have indoor digital billboard network around the community. Hmm. Um, so there's a lot of pieces that we can bring of value to people that some are going to make sense for some and it's not for others. So, you know, you might advertise uh, through banner ads, streaming, you know, search retargeting, all of that stuff that, um, yeah, some businesses is going to be the thing, other places it's not. And we want to be kind of the curator where we're walking with people through it and saying, hey, if this is your budget, this is your reach, this is who you would on target, let's do it this way and, and make sure that your ad spend, we keep refining it. And we're always on the lookout. Like you said, I'm the guy that I'm always looking out ahead and saying, Hey, what's coming down the pike? How can we package that and make that available for people? Yeah. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. When did you start this marketing? Two years ago. Yeah. Uh, okay. So started, it was during, yeah. Right. At it was after COVID and, um, yeah, we were, I've been a professional pastor my whole life and that's, that's where my income came from. And, uh, we really felt like we wanted to be more flexibly available uh, we also felt like we've been in the church bubble our entire lives and, and needed to be engaged more in the marketplace and communities. And so we were exploring for a while, like, okay, where do we go with this? What is, what are the skill sets we bring to the table that are of value to people? How can we, you know, bring that? And so that led us to this whole piece of, of helping businesses with marketing. And frankly, you know, as a pastor, you're always wondering, how do I communicate with my community? How do I com communicate with people uh, mm. about what's going on and, and what's needed? So, um, yeah. It's so it stemmed from there. It no comes way. from that. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. Um, let's shift over a little bit to the pastoral stuff because um, I'd love to kind of hear what your faith journey is because I'm seeing you 
now. Sure. Right? But what I hear is uh, you come out of um, you know the, the Mennonite world, mm-hmm. and you're the person I know now, and a lot of times those don't connect. Right. You know, and so I'd love to kind of hear what that journey was. Yeah. Um, mainly the church I go that we would go to was a little more on the charismatic side of things. Mm -hmm. And um, I know a couple Mennonite uh, congregation individuals who are charismatic, but on the majority, they're a little bit more on the other side of it. Sure. Yeah. So in terms of my background, I grew up. Amish Mennonite, Beachy Amish. I don't know if you've heard of that or not, yeah. but that's, that's, that's the Waka family Rusa, I'm part of. Right. Well, it's Wakarusa. I was on the east side of Goshen, like Clinton Township, and oh, okay. out kind of where State Road 4 and State Road 13 meet. Yep. That was that was my home. Went to Clinton Christian all the way through elementary. No way. And, uh, was that Beachy Amish? It was, it was together with the Beachy Amish and Conservative Mennonite Conference at that okay. time. Uh, there were about nine churches involved with it. And then when I was a freshman in high school, our church took one building, the one that's on County Road 34, and started their own school. So I was one of four people in high school. Oh, wow. And at that point in my life, I was really mad about it hmm. um, and uh, did a lot of things that I'm not proud of at all. And it culminated in me getting arrested for shoplifting. So calling my parents to come pick me up. They were at Bible school, which I was supposed to be at. And um, just walking through a lot of that shame and re-engagement with my church community. Um, it was that year. Then the next year I ended up going to Bethany, um, just through that processing of everything, uh, which was a really good place for me. Um, but while I was at Bethany, then I started, um, yeah, it was, it was while I was there, I became a Christian and, and said yes to Christ. And I was 16 years old at the time when I first made my commitment. And then my senior year at Bethany, um, there were some friends that had started with, I don't know if you've heard of Word of Life. Yeah, uh, I have. Yeah. It's, uh, so Word of Life was meeting at the theater back in the 90s, 80s and 90s. And it's actually the mother church, one of the mother churches for Family Worship Center, which then led to Mission 72. So, wow. Um, so I was part of that Bible study and was given the baptism of the Holy Spirit during that time. I was at Wilma Lichty's house. Yeah. Uh, so some of her, her son-in-law was a leader of the group, Dave Borman. Um, and uh, Becky was part of that, her daughter. And uh, so, yeah, so that was a huge thing for me in terms of just being, encountering Christ at a young age and, and receiving the fullness of the Holy Spirit in that way. And, uh, and then I went to uh, what was called the Institute of Ministry in Minnesota with James Hostetler. No way. And spent that's 10 our pa- weeks. my pastor. That's your pastor. Yeah. Um, so spent two weeks. So I, I kid James that he's he was my youth pastor. Uh, <laughs> so him and Dave were the two people leading the group. Um, we're good friends today. But we went to Minnesota, 10-week, just very intense spiritual experience right after I graduated from high school. I did that in the fall. And then I went to Heston College after that. And while I was at this Bible study, I was attending Clinton Frame, uh, got baptized there. And I felt this tension, like, you know, you had like word of life people kind of saying, hey, you should come with us. And Clinton Frame saying, what are you doing with them? And Mm. I had a foot in both camps and I felt the Lord really telling me to maintain that, to keep connected with both. Mm. Um, And one of the cool things, I haven't shared this a lot publicly, it's okay to share, is when I received the gift of tongues, um, I went home and told my mom about it. And well, I told my parents at the table, they didn't really say much. And uh, anyway, my mom pulled me aside later 
and told me she has a prayer language. So you have this this woman who grew up Amish, was in the Beachy Church her whole life. Um, She's she had a prayer language, and she never really talks about it. But yeah, that's so cool. Uh, can I go back to a little bit of the Beachy Amish? Go where? Yeah. So um, Beachy Amish, did they have different rules? What, did you do horse and buggy, or were you like so black no. car only? Or so we would have been cars without work they couldn't be multiple colors which was okay. more popular in the 70s but nobody does that really anymore but um couldn't be red but any other color was okay. okay and so we had so my mom wore a covering a cape dress yeah and it was a little unfortunate for the women in that group because men could look like they fit in with everybody else and women look different and yeah it's probably is a little unfair but the, the skirt Jean skirt in the... Well, they didn't have the jean skirt even. Um, they had, uh, at that point, it was the dress. more the Amish-looking dress. It was There's a few variations, but yeah. yeah. Um, but we did, so we couldn't have radio and TV, but we could have other technology. Mm-hmm. And when I was in junior high school, like 81, 82, my dad bought a TRS-80 Model 4 computer, like <sighs> way before most people were buying them. And Wow. Um, so that was the introduction introduction to tech for me at that point. So. Wow. So yeah, that's always a loophole. Right. Yeah, <laughs> there is. Well, and, and I think their approach, one of the things I see that people sometimes struggle with the Amish and conservative Mennonite is what's the filter? Because it doesn't make sense. And they are, are always asking the question, what will happen if our community adopts this? Hmm. So are we going to stop being connected the way we were. So like some people will critique the Amish, like, well, why can you hire somebody to drive you versus having your own car? Well, the reality is in my car, when I need something at Menards, I hop in and go. Um, If you hire a driver, you want to save money. You might invite some other people to go with you. You all go together. You create a community experience. And so you're not gone as much. And when you go, you're going with others. And there's a lot, I think, to be admired about kind of that approach that says, we really care about what the impact will be about how we live things out with each other. Now, right. there's a lot of questions in the future right now because, you know, it is harder and harder to kind of get that line between technology and how it's used and how it affects us. Yeah. It, it, they, I like the approach of let's see what the technology does and mm-hmm. then decide if we want to adopt it. You know, they, they saw telephones and they're like, well, we'll just put it out at the end of the road so we can all see everyone on the telephone. And I'm like... Pardon me, wants to put my cell phone at the door. It's not on me. It's not with me. When I go, I can take it. But it's like there might be a need to think about that in our lives. You know, they they're a little more cautious. I I appreciate them for a lot of that stuff. And the communities are way more connected than you know. I'd love to have a community like that. Yeah, you know, where my whole block, we all know each other within a you know half mile radius. We all know each other. Right, and we're so more dis- we're way more disconnected than that. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, one of the things that when we moved in our neighborhood in 2007, uh, we started having a neighborhood picnic. We just had one a week ago. And so mm-hmm. that's been an annual thing. But some of it was kind of selfish for us. We moved in and it didn't seem like the neighbors really knew each other. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of people moving that had moved in. And our thing was Mandy was three at the time. If she rides her bike around the neighborhood as she gets older, we wanted her to know who's in those houses. Right. Uh, and we want to know. And so it's been really rich to develop those relationships and make a connection and, and you know, using tech. So now we have a neighborhood Facebook group and, yeah. you know, some things like that that really have helped us to stay connected. Yeah. And then if they need something, they know, hey, can you come do this? We have um, a bunch of Hispanic, I mean, a lot of Hispanic neighbors. 
and Allison is fluent. And so there are times where they'll get a letter in English and they come and talk to us. Oh, cool. And it's such a like, I love that. Mm-hmm. You know, so oh, yeah, this is what this means. Or da, 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 da. And it's like, it just feels cool to be able to to help them. Yeah. It's, it's the same as when the neighbors would come over and ask for sugar. Uh, growing up, we had a neighbor who would, you know, or we would go ask if they need, if you have just a little bit of butter, we're almost done. You know, that's, there's something very nice to that. Sheila's much better at this than I am, but her, her thing has been, she loves to cook and she loves learning different kinds of food and all that stuff. And so, um, I've seen her throughout our marriage. She'll like a Laotian cook or, or Mexican cook. Like she'll have friends that they're like trading recipes and she's helping them learn kind of like, okay, what's the, the Mennonite kind of North American way of cooking and that she does. And then what is it that she's learning to make really good tacos and uh, that are authentic. And so one of her little victories was one of their kids was our house eating and you're like, man, these are as good as my mom. So no way. You know, there's like the yeah. wind, you know, for yeah. that. Let's go. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, her, she brought a meal for us when we had Noah. Mm-hmm. Delicious. Yeah. Fantastic. So, yeah, she's She great. is an excellent cook. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm going to go back to the comment you made with um, when you're at Clinton and with uh, Word of Life, where you're kind of straddling mm-hmm. both cultures. Do you feel like that's been something that's happened your whole life, where you've been kind of... A foot in both camps? Yeah, to a certain degree. I mean, it, it, certainly there's been points that kind of flows back and forth yeah. and, and bridges more than others. Um, but yeah, I mean, and to me, they don't feel like they're opposing forces. There's there's aspects um, that, uh, like what I've really come to believe, and, and this gets into kind of the, in the in the Bible, there's the baptism you know, of water, there's baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's baptism of fire and suffering. And kind of the way I conceive of it is, you know, that baptism of water is often a baptism of obedience and an emphasis. Uh, many churches that emphasize it will emphasize being obedient to scripture. There's kind of that whole side of things. And then you have the charismatic side of the baptism of the spirit, which is like you're connected with God. God's powers for us today, with us today. Uh, you know, it's here. You don't have to like just, you know, uh, Wait for it. <laughs> Wait for it or yeah. anything like that. Or get it through someone else. Or Yeah. yeah. And then the Anabaptist side, the Mennonite, Amish, uh, Quaker brethren, like there's this whole thing of the baptism of suffering is really important for us. It's this idea that uh, when we say yes to God and that fire that comes, that fire is sometimes a purification fire. And it's a fire that can mean going through hard things and you put your head down and you do it well. And what I've found is that when we separate those out, and you got like the evangelical, charismatic, Anabaptists all separated out, we have very typical problems. Hmm. So like in the evangelical church, it can become a rules-based religion. You can, it's all about, you know, is my interpretation of the Bible better than yours? And we start micro-fighting about all the little tiny pieces that are in it. And I think on the charismatic side, when that emphasis is on, well, the power of God is present, you can have it all, he's given it all. You can turn that into a health and wealth gospel, which mm-hmm. then you're distorting, you know, what scripture really speaks of. And and then on the suffering side, I think when we disconnect from that, um, you know, direct connection with God through the Holy Spirit and then also the commitment to scripture, uh, the way I say it is we become vulnerable to the political philosophies around us. Mm-hmm. And so it's like we, we become room temperature and we become the culture warriors, the social justice warriors of the left and the right in our communities, mm-hmm. instead of being rooted in kind of the reality of what God is doing. And 
Uh, and it's interesting because a lot of, there are a lot of Mennonites actually, if you look around or Anabaptist origins that are on the front lines of some of our cultural wars on both sides. Wow. Um, and, and it's because I think there's generations of just being rooted in this idea that, that we sacrifice, we put ourselves out there for things that are a challenge and, and we're not afraid to do that. So, yeah. Part of the DNA. Of it. Yeah. So I see not as separate components, but when those are integrated, um, there's a, a real cohesion and a fullness to what we're called to as followers of Jesus. That is, is I think a real benefit. Hmm. So really cool. I got theologically deep on you. No, I love argument. that. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm processing it. I'm right now where I'm at in my devotions is the life of David. Mm-hmm. So I have gone through Second um, Samuel and all that, and now I'm in the Psalms. I just I decided, okay, here comes Solomon. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna go read the Psalms, and it's just um, you see it on a high level on a on a macro scale. Micro, macro scale mm-hmm. of, of his ups and downs. And then you read the Psalms and it's like, it's the emotional side of, you hear the heart. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, it's fascinating. So I really see, you know, he was anointed as a young man, mm-hmm. you know, baptized right in the Holy spirit. He dedicated himself to, to God and then, you know, and then he has the suffrage. Uh, and it's, it's even when he becomes a king, he mm-hmm. suffers still. And even self-inflicted at times. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of times. Yeah. And so it's just, um, yeah, it's very interesting. That I've, not, I've not heard those three. Three makes sense, though. Trinity. You know, mm-hmm. that makes sense. And so that's very cool. I've not thought through that before. Um, yeah, I like that. Yeah. It actually does tie a little bit to the Trinity if you think of God the Father and the obedience, and then you have the Holy Spirit with the mm-hmm. um, the charismatic side, and then on the Anabaptist side, I think it's kind of that way of Jesus, the yeah. Via Dolorosa, that suffering way of suffering that, yeah. Yeah. that he exemplified. He suffered, and yeah. you see a lot of that in the Psalms. I was just reading today about, uh, I think it's Psalm 22, where um, they're like, they will tear my clothes off and cast lots. I'm like, oh my goodness. Oh my word! You know that's that's, yeah. a, that's totally what Jesus went through. I'm gonna be surrounded by these bulls of Bashan. I'm like, that's he was. This is just it's crazy. You start looking at some of that stuff. He's speaking what's gonna happen of the suffering, right? That's he's dealing with now. So anyway, it's yeah. just yeah, very fascinating. I, I love it. So um, yeah, I would love to kind of hear maybe you know. So you've walked this. You've been through all this. You know, you're thinking through all these things. Um, one of the s- things that you've done in the Mennonite world is, uh, were you, did you start Nirvana? That's what Nirvana, Rick, told, nice. Rick told me to say, start Nirvana. Nirvana that- network. So it's, yeah, it's short for evangelical Anabaptist. Okay. Um, yeah, I was part of starting it. So there was, uh, as we were, uh, kind of walking through with different churches and just, concerns about, okay, Mennonite church and where some in that, in that denomination were going. And it felt very different from where we were at, different vibe, different theology, different experience. And so, uh, it felt like it was staying harder and harder or more difficult to kind of, uh, communicate with people about who we were, what we were about, um, in the local community. And there were a number of churches saying we, we really need something different. So there was a, a board formed. I wasn't part of that board. But I was uh, invited to be part of a work group that looked at kind of name branding, kind of stuff like that, uh, coming back to that. And uh, so I was part of that group. And then when we finished our work, uh, we were in a position where, uh, as they were looking at launching, we had some funding, wanted to hire an executive director. And that's when they invited me Mm. uh, to be in that position. So 
I had the joy on Holy Week of 2015 of they invited me to come meet with them. I came home and told Sheila. So I'm being invited to quit my job, be executive director. We're not sure where the money's coming from. Nobody knows this organization existed. Do you want to say yes? And uh, we both prayed, and within 24 hours, we said yes. And um, and we had felt like God was preparing us for something before that. So then on on Friday, it was interesting because I was that that initial kind of euphoria of like, man, this is exciting. It's a new thing. And then uh, Thursday, it was like, oh no, what did I do? Mm-hmm. What am I saying yes to? And um, feeling like an imposter and all of that. So. I was uh, asleep, laying in bed, Good Friday, mm-hmm. and um, had a dream. And in that dream, there was a, uh, I was like, uh, so like Robin Hood, you know, Little John, the, he had this yeah. hassock thing, a dress, you know, that he yeah. wore. Little tights. Yeah, and, yeah. Then, and then he had that uh, quarter stave, like the eight-foot stick that he carried around. Well, I was dressed that way, and I was carrying a quarter stave, and it was like in a, like a Robin Hood type areas, the way it felt. All the houses were made of stone. And and the weird thing was these houses were all different sizes. There were no roads and there were no doors and windows in these houses. Oh, wow. And so there were these grassy, pristine grassy like places between the houses. They're about 30 foot apart. And what I found is I could walk around with this quarter stave. And when I came up to a wall of a building, I could just walk through it. Hmm. And so I'd walk in, I'd find people in there, we'd talk, we'd laugh, and then I'd leave again, go to another place and kind of kind of do that for a while. And then I was like, I remember very distinctly uh, kind of a, a, the euphoria wore off again. I started to get that anxiety like, okay, what's going on? And, and I finally, I said, God, what is this? And the message I got, what I heard the Lord say was it's the Mennonites and Anabaptists of North America. Hmm. And it was just kind of these, all these little walled communities. And, and then I heard the words, uh, prayer, fasting, and repentance. Hmm. And in an instant, the entire landscape shifted. Like it was like all the walls and roofs just disappeared into the floor. And it turned into these like beautiful flowered gardens, like with little hedges around them and things like that. Um, and people were outside laughing, dancing, sunshine, butterfly. I mean, it was like the whole, yeah. and just this incredible peace flooded all over me. And and I just laid there for a while, woke up. And um, that really became a burning thing for me of, of you know, we, we have all these structures that we build. And that was kind of a piece that we carried with Havana as we started was how do we form a network of churches that we're not building this huge infrastructure but we're, you know, paying attention to what really matters to us and what we feel like God is calling us to and just carrying forward with that. So, so one of the things in the four years I was executive director, I never asked a church to leave. In fact, we created ways that churches could be connected with both. Hmm. Um, and we just felt like we were offering a way through our process and our events to strengthen uh, what was there. Uh, one of the great things that I think this just really continues to be uh, a beautiful thing is our pastor retreat. So we never really had kind of that place of camaraderie with pastors in, in the denomination we were in. And so we, every year in Florida in February, perfect time. we have a, a, it's now a leader and spouse retreat. 
it it's a place that you come it's not packed with stuff it's not business but you're there for three or four days listening to inspire inspiring speakers worshiping hanging out together and um that has been a really rich thing and and it's pretty open i mean it, it is open like anybody can come and be a part of it and we've seen kind of young people, younger people coming and, and really enjoying it, being part of it. And it's much broader than Ivana now, mm-hmm. um, but it just becomes a kind of a leadership community now that is really cool. So, That's awesome. So yeah. So if you got plans in February, this, this, if you don't, then this would be a place to go. Okay, yeah. sweet. Where's it at in Florida? You know, that's the interesting part. When I went to the Institute of Ministry and out of high school, it was with Christian Retreat, which was a charismatic renewal of a Mennonite pastor in Minnesota. Okay. And since then, Gerald Durstein, they started this retreat center in Bradenton, Florida. Oh, yeah. That's where we go. So yeah. um, so cool. there's kind of a full full circle with that. That's an easy uh, uh, flight, too, because South Bend goes. Yeah, right Allegiant goes directly down there. And, I love Allegiant. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's... Would... Um, I, I mean... I'm not a hundred percent sure about this, but uh, after listening, it sounds like maybe this area is kind of the hub for Mennonite, the Mennonite world. Or am I? Is it is there... one of the hubs. Yeah. Okay. So it's one of the larger communities, both Amish, Mennonite, everything in between. Uh, Northeast Ohio and Lancaster County, Pennsylvania are the other two. Okay. Um, yeah. So in this area for Ivana, I've, it's also. Quite a few of our churches are here in mm-hmm. either this county or neighboring counties. And then Northeast Ohio is another pretty big area for us. And then there's churches, there's 45 churches now scattered all over the U.S. So, um, Have you found that a lot of conservative Mennonite uh, groups have uh, came to you guys? Or was it just a whole mix? Or have they gone, like, I'm thinking... I call it I don't know, coffee filters, but that's not the right word. The the female covering, yeah, and the the plain dress. Are they living in a totally different world? Because I don't, I don't see them being connected with Mennonite USA or right. There would be a few Mennonite churches that still have probably older women that would wear coverings on Sunday morning. Okay. Um, in terms of Ivana's connection, no, not necessarily in what uh, conservative Mennonite conference, which is now called Rosedale network. Oh, okay. um, so like Maple city is part of that. Okay. Um, they would have more variety in terms of people that are wearing the coverings and, you know, like yeah. Maple city, you really don't more see conservative. That than, yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's still within the conservative world as opposed to the full spectrum of what was the Mennonite <laughs> network. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it gets complicated. So one, actually, and I want to say this too, one of the culminations of our time of my time as executive director was an in- invitation where six Anabaptist denominations came together at Rosedale hmm. in Plain City, Ohio for two days of prayer. Uh, so there were uh, about five to 10 from each leaders. Uh, and we just came and prayed together and asked the Lord to speak to us. And so that built some relationships that continue to this day where, Again, we're not isolated in these little little houses, and yeah. and so our goal was never to uh, like we want to see Rosedale strengthened, we want to see uh, Brethren Church strengthened, and you know all these different groups that we've learned to know, um, but to be to also draw together in some ways and say, hey, we could work together at some things that that would be really good. Yeah, it's denominations are f- fascinating, um, and it's just it's like. If you look at the DNA of denominations, where they start from, they started from when Martin Luther, right, says, I'm done, I'm putting the thing on, and it fractured. 
Mm-hmm. And then from there, it's just been fracture, 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 fracture. And there's hurt inside those fractures, but then that's just what the fragments. And I'm just seeing that with the Mennonite, you know, it's this one vine, maybe it's brethren and Mennonite, two vines. Now it's like branching off into multiple mm-hmm. things. And so, yeah, I have a theory on that. So I think, I think fracturing because we misunderstand each other and we're angry and we're treating each other poorly um, is something that definitely is a negative. Yeah. But I also see, I would say this, there is this thing about denominationalism that turns into institutionalization, that turns into, and and I think if you look at nature by itself, it is fractal. I mean, there is a sense at which, you know, we start out as one cell, we divide, and there's a diversity to it. Um, and when things stay too much the same and we just elevate one side of things, organically we call that cancer. Hmm. And, and I think there's some value in letting kind of multiple expressions emerge. We're not trying to control each other. Um, but as we walk together, we kind of know why we belong together. And so we're not, you know, struggling with every single thing. So there's a, there's a strand of DNA. Yeah. Um, but there's also diversity with it. And I love that. I mean, I think there's, there's a benefit when we can kind of get comfortable. It's just like, you know, you don't live with your parents anymore. Right. Um, and there's a value in that. And well, who knows? Maybe next year. Maybe next year. But, <laughs> with this economy. No, yeah. And, but, but you know, when, when you think about like, no, you can never leave. You must live within quarter mile of me. And, yeah. and I want my babies close, you know, that kind of thing that I understand the sentiment. But there's a certain level at which we were made to grow, expand, to do new things, to explore the world, all of that. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah. Who we are. You know, so and and I would tie that even with Mandy where she's at right now. You know, she was born in China, um, mm-hmm. and she's lived in Goshen most of her life. Um, but you know, in terms of engaging with her, uh, I love the fact that she's doing what she's doing. I want her to continue to grow and discover where God's calling her. She was in Peru last winter during you know political unrest. I mean, all of these pieces where it's like we want to see people flourish in this life wherever God calls them. And then, you know, we've, we've got eternity to look forward to. Yeah. What do you think eternity is going to be like? <laughs> That's a big question. Great question. Yeah, wow. sorry. Yeah. I think it's going to be awesome. I mean, you, you can't yeah, get away from that. Yeah. Um, but, but there's, um, I think sometimes we kind of make it this ethereal kind of out there yeah. kind of space. I think it's, it's some ways it's a new heaven and a new earth. Yeah. Um, and so I think, some things that we think are a problem today, maybe we'll just enjoy it more and not be as uh, selfish or focused on like not being interrupted. Um, but I also think there's, yeah, what it, what is it going to be like to yeah. just the full presence of God? I uh, I've thought about this a little bit, and uh, there's there's aspects of video games that I just enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've ever played Minecraft. Or any of these creative worlds. It's more I've seen my son play it. Yeah, and I did play SimCity when it first came out in the '90s. So <laughs> I played SimCity two or three. I, yeah. I know that very enjoyable. Yeah, the grids and you put the power lines. Yeah. Got too much traffic. Got to yeah. build more. Got, yeah. uh, well, this zone is industrial. Maybe I need to do residential here. Got to get the yeah. roads. And, yeah, that's a good time. Do I want a nuclear power plant? Oh, what's the pros and cons? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Good stuff. But. Um, I think there's something really enjoyable to that creative aspect mm-hmm. of building the landscape and making it. Yeah. And I wonder, 
I wonder if it's going to be something like that where you're creating and like all the great things of life without all the bad things, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I really wonder. If- yeah. And I think like the, when it comes to vocation, there are three kinds of vocation that I think you see in scripture. One is uh, when we are uh, focused on making life, like connecting with other people. And so, you know, you can think about like a therapist or, um, or, or even a restaurant in some ways is about, about relationship. Mm-hmm. And then you have the whole thing of taking resources and making something good for people that makes life easier, better, or whatever way. And then there's a production of beauty and, mm. and doing, and it's not that they're all separate, but I think those are the things that scripture points to and says, like, these are, these are a touch point with eternity. I believe that, mm. that when we're doing those things. So, so when we talk about like the relational circuits with other people, that's, that's touching eternity. Um, mm. And I think there is a point it talks in Ephesians 2, 6, where it says that uh, we are already now seated with Christ in heaven. Um, and there's there's a sense in which when we're ambassadors as followers of Jesus, like we are actually an expression of eternity for people around us. And when we're formed into Christ-likeness, um, what will come of that is people taste eternity. So I think that's exciting. That's so cool. It's sweet. It's very sweet. It is. I yeah. Love that. Well, we've done uh, an hour. I don't know if there's any more you want to talk about. I, there's so much more we could talk about. Yeah. You know, um, but what, where, if someone wants to get connected with, or what, let's do this. Let's end, let's end with this. I'd like to hear some advice about um, maybe the podcast while I have you. Okay. Ask you some questions and think about uh, if you were to look give me like maybe a little bit of a, a marketing breakdown. What would you say are some things that I should be doing or thinking about for this mm-hmm. uh, podcast? Yeah, I would start with you. So that question of uh, what is your conviction that has been carrying you through life so far? Um, what is it that you feel, you know, I talked about those three things with vocation that makes a difference in the world. And and drawing from that, there's a, there's a key question. And it's that question that, so podcast, you know, you can stream that, you can send that out to people. Um, It's a way of communicating. You can bring these stories, but in some ways it's not the full end in itself Um, because my guess, and you'd have to define what that is, is that underneath there, there's something that like, if you, if you go through your day and you do a thing like I feel that satisfaction. So, you know, you work at Bible memory, so you have, you know, whatever you're doing there that probably ties in somewhat with that. Um, the question then becomes, and as you begin to discover more that face-to-face side of what you do, is when you know what that is, how many people can you legitimately do that for or do that with without becoming overextended? Hmm. And if once you know what that is, I think one of the key discoveries I wish I had known when I was younger was there are limits to what I can do. And I can't say yes to everyone. And so when you begin to say, okay, God, help me know why I'm here, which then defines your yes and no. Hmm. And so uh, let's say for you, I don't, I, I won't, I mean, right now it's, it's related to Bible memory, of course, and being a father and being a husband and being a part of your church. And so when you lay all that out, you can't do it all. 
So, so how do you create that highest value of what you bring to the table where more people need it and want it than what you can offer? Hmm. And when you do that, you begin to develop kind of that sweet spot, which becomes how you make your income. Hmm. Because you have more people than can be, and so you want to create a way for people to buy it, you know? And is it, what kind of engagement with you does that bring um, that really matters? And, and as you build out that reality, I, I know this is kind of vague, so you can flesh it out as you wish, yeah. but um, then you begin to build out even more what your podcast is for. Um, so, you know, and, and you also begin to find ways to uh, market it, to set, you know who your audience is that is going to want to see what you have. Um, so another piece that I would maybe, uh, suggest is, oh, I'm so uh, sorry, that was not supposed to happen. It's uh, I got an email. Oh, good. Tell me why I need That's to be exciting. Doing- yeah, I heard. Sorry yeah. folks. <laughs> you can knock it out if you want or leave it in. Yeah. It makes it part of it. Authentic yeah. and raw, yeah. right? <laughs> um, so one of the things that you might even ask people is, I don't know if you've done this, maybe you have, cause I haven't watched real closely kind of what you're doing. I skimmed it a little bit this morning, but yeah. Um, listen to a few that you've done uh, with your podcast. Ask people what they want to hear. Do they have suggestions for topics, for guests, for people that, you know, matter? And if it's focused on kind of the land here in Goshen and and surrounding communities that you can be face-to-face, you know, focus it there and begin to find out, like, what that heartbeat is of your audience and where it should grow. Um, And and there's a lot of questions, like, in this community – in some ways, everything we do, we're curators. We're we're weaving together things for people that we become a trusted guide. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, who are you? In that becomes a key question. And and if people are like, "Hey, I like listening to Timmons podcast because there's this variety to it. I, I get to hear different voices and I find out what's going on." So I'll stop with that yeah. and kind of no, see. I've I've some of that. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say it. I was listening to this podcast, and this guy was. I love that that spike is right there. Uh, I, he was talking about how he was a comic, and he was writing this comic, and he was doing it kind of all over the place. And he just kept on getting people saying, "I like it when you set this comic in an office uh, side of things instead of the home or out, you know, uh, in at the supermarket. I like it when it's in the office." He kept on hearing what his audience was and so he right into that mm-hmm. and then so he's like I, I just cut out all the other pieces and my my comic was an office comic right and i focused in that and that's what made me grow and he's like um a lot of people just want to create art but i was listening to my audience and he came from a he's an artist but with a business background mm-hmm. he's like and it just that's what is that scott adams you're talking yeah about? yeah yeah okay because yeah he talks a lot about talent stack too which i think is another piece of this that we're talking about here Whereas you begin to develop out kind of that talent stack, you know how to podcast. And the goal isn't to be Mr. hundred percent. It's to be 80%, like do, do good enough with that piece when combined with other pieces creates something extraordinary for people. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. So what does that look like for you? Can I ask you that? Yeah. I, uh, I, I've heard this before from, well, I think part of it is what I enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you asked that. And I, I think we talked a little bit about that is where I'm talking to someone and I'm, I'm connecting and we're connecting and I'm listening and I'm pulling out stories from people. I love hearing stories of, 
of different things from people. So I think that's a really big piece of it. And I've had a couple people reach out and say, we love hearing the diversity of stories. And um, that's my life. I'm not in a bubble. Uh, I'm, I'm in, I feel you when you're in different, straddling different camps of things, you know, and uh, it helps me when I'm in different camps to understand a more well-rounded of what's going on. And so I wonder if that's part of it, but I think that's not all. I think there's other pieces and I haven't flushed it out yet. Yeah. You know, well, even one that ties in that I'll just throw this one out. I don't know if you have, have you explored like coaching and some things like that. Um, so if you look down in, in kind of the whole coaching world, you're in uh, fundraising for a nonprofit, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things in terms of facilitating kind of conversations with fundraisers, and it's a weird thing because you have a, you have a purpose, like you're there, you're there to get money from people and yeah. you know, it feels weird and it's kind of this, this side of it. But ultimately I think, um, when you begin to understand the heartbeat of people of means, people who can donate in that way, and you recognize um, and really honor and respect their journey and their path, uh, there's a lot that you can do of just, those individuals are looking for people who draw the best out of them. Hmm. And so not not the best in terms of, hey, can you write me a check, but but where you see these, and this is what coaching is, you see the gold inside someone. You see those things that, that, like when Tim comes, I'm really excited to see him because, and you have that personality already. And I think as you build it, some skill sets to kind of go along with that, that you can take to market, mm-hmm. um, I think it provides a pathway for you where in some ways, even now you can kind of be an informal coach about meaning and significance for people uh, of wealth, for example, and and providing that and saying, hey, here's who I see who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, one great book to read is Halftime by Bob Buford. Okay. Um, and it's from the 90s, so it's an old book. But uh, it's really about the question of how do you move from success to significance? How do you mm-hmm. move, um, plan for your retirement is kind of what the focus is. But it really is a broader thing of saying, what is it that uh, helps us leave the legacy we want to leave? How do we discover that? How we live into that? And when you think about what you're doing with fundraising, that's at the core. What that's about is helping people live into that. And even having, when you develop the integrity and the character where they say, you know, I want to make a difference here. Um, And it's not Bible memory to be able to say, well, I want to continue connecting with you, but why don't you find a way to put some of that money into this area? Because I'm aware of this ministry that really is going to match what your heartbeat is there. Yeah. I am a connector. I know I've, I've I've felt that before on maybe a smaller level, but I'm hearing, oh, you need this, you need that. Here, talk to this person. I mean, mm-hmm. part of that's marketing. What I did for the past six years prior to Bible Memory was marketing and understanding how to yeah. to work through that. I was in sales. I got into sales because I mean that's, but I got into sales because mm-hmm. I learned about that triangle. And I'm like, well, I'm a communicator. Mm-hmm. In what what does best in that skill set is sales. It's communicating. Um, and when I moved to Bible memory, you know, I enjoyed the job I was doing, but I was selling a product that, I mean, I wasn't like, it was good, but it wasn't thrilling me. It mm-hmm. was a product and I was getting money from it and it was, that was nice. I was helping people, but I really like the, what Bible memory has, um, and what I've seen from there and I'd rather sell that. Right. So that's why I moved that direction. And sales is hard because if you, there's, there are constant um, 
little micro decisions where we can betray our integrity. Mm. Like, and, and so, and it doesn't always even feel like it, but, but when you have a product that, you know, the person doesn't really need, or, uh, you're just trying to get money steering your way because, Hey, my commission depends on it. I need to get this the end of the month. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a loss that we begin to feel internally. And so, yeah, being in a place where you can be like, I believe in this and there's value. I know that we're doing something that's really effective um, uh, for that. So like with Bible memory, I mean, I think like this is a side note, but I'm going to go back to kind of our marketing thing. Go for it. Um, You have sponsoring churches. Mm -hmm. Our advertising, we can geofence events. Mm. So we can say Sunday morning events at your sponsoring churches, people who end up inside that bubble. Uh, you can target advertising or connections with them hmm. based on that particular group that you've curated that's very specific. Um, and you might even say, okay, we're going to go to like-minded churches close by or others that we're not reaching. Or if you're going to be present speaking at a church, you could set up a campaign a couple of weeks before where you're reaching those members. Um, so it's a really freaky in some ways, like the the level of specificity you can have. Um, that's the world we're living in. But it's the world we're living in, Yeah. yeah. We're getting hit with it all the time. I mean, already. Why not use it instead of just for being good things used by it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that makes total sense. Okay, I do have one more question, uh-huh. and we we can wrap it up. How'd you meet Sheila? We met at church. So yeah, she um, her two sisters went to Goshen, became teachers here, settled here. Nieces and nephews were starting to be born. Or her two oldest. She was living in Florida, looking for a change of scenery, and so she moved up here, but didn't want to like be little, little sister and all these in their circles and Clinton frame where I attended at the time had a young adult group. And, um, so she heard about it and came and I was actually 19. She was 23 at the time we met. Mm -hmm. So, um, I was a, you know, snotty cocky kid that she had no interest in and we became really good friends. And over the period of probably about four and a half years, five years, uh, ended up then we carpooled for a while as friends and talked about who we were dating and that kind of stuff. I did more than she did. But, <laughs> um, but then, yeah, just realized, hey, we belong together and and made that connection, Got ended up getting married um, soon after that. And yeah. That's awesome. So 29 years this December, uh, in terms of how long ago wow. we got married. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, there's something to having a, your partner as a good friend. Yeah. That changes the game. It definitely does. So, yeah, that. we tell the stories differently, but you know, yeah. <laughs> that's parts of it anyway. Uh, uh, but it's fun. That's cool, John. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find you? Let's let's. What's yeah. the best way to connect with you? Yeah, probably go to michianasocial.com is a great connection, and then we also have our website for streamlocal.net, which is our new product that's going out that's geared towards small towns and small city neighborhoods. I and, love that. Um, but yeah, either one of those, you can click on the contact, and it'll get the email to me that cool. way. Cool. Well, John, thank you so much for coming. I'll put those links in the bio below so people okay. can find those. And um, Very nice, man. I awesome. appreciate you coming on. Hey, thanks. It was fun to be here. Yeah. Thanks for the advice. Yeah. We'll be listening back to this a couple times for sure. So, All right, folks. Peace.